In this simple manner, we want to welcome each and every one of you home. Welcome home is the theme. And some of you have traveled from far. I have met some people who came back from Australia, some from Indonesia, you know, and different, different places, wherever you have come from. You have traveled from far and you are back here with us. We want to say, welcome home. Some of you we have not seen for quite a while, but you are back here today. Welcome home. Some of you have made this uh, uh, place here. You are, you are from the Klang Valley and this, this place here, Glad Tidings, not just the location, but the Glad Tidings, the church as your spiritual home. And we want to say, welcome home. <laughs> All right. And some of you may be seeking a place to call home. You know, and uh, to, 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 to a place where you can really belong and we want to say welcome home as well. This is the place that God has given to us, the people that God has placed in our lives. And so welcome home is a very, very uh, 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 a good theme, not just uh, for the Christmas season, but, you know, uh, as, uh, uh, for Glad Tidings, it is the theme of the church. So we want to welcome each one of you home. There are many phrases on home that you may be familiar with. And one of which is, I'll be home for Christmas. This was actually a song that was uh, 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 sung even in the, during, the, uh, during the Second World War. You know, particularly of American soldiers who were overseas. And their desire is to be back home with their family for Christmas, even if it was only in their dream. So home is very important for each and every one of us. Now children, if you are here, you know, you know this one, the Wizard of Oz. How many children are here in our midst today? Can you, can you wave your hand at me? Children, come on. Yes, you have been so wonderful. Come on, let's give out the, the children in the house a big hand. I tell you, in the first service, they sat through so quietly, they listened so attentively, and just now, even in the worship, some of the children, I think the mother was the one who led them up to the front here, raising up their hands, singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, yeah, they're right there, you know. And the children were really into worship. Children are precious part of the home. And how many children know the Wizard of Oz? And this lady here, this cute lady or girl here, Dorothy. And finally, at the end of the movie, at the end of the show, Dorothy, the final lines, she kept on repeating the final line of the, of the show. And what, what was the final line? There's no place like home, isn't it? There's no place like home. No wonder it was Mark Twain who says, home is where when you go there, they will always take you in. They will always take you in. There's no place like home. That's why even after we have gone away on vacation, after a long, fantastic vacation, you know, when you finally come back home after 21 days, after 30 days, you know, and you unlock the front door and you go into the house, you just uh, plunge yourself onto the bed or the sofa, and you say, it is so good to be home. 
There is that feeling about being home that a five-star hotel cannot replace. That the best palace, the biggest houses in the world cannot replace. There's no place like home and it is always so good to be home. Your home may be just a, a, a room or it may be just a studio, or it may be an executive lounge, or it may be a bungalow with a swimming pool. Whatever shapes and sizes of your home, and we are not just talking about a house here, but there is that feeling about being home. That's why home is so important, and we used to say, home, sweet home. So we are talking about home this morning or this afternoon for this uh, Christmas season. Time is already 12.26, so I have four minutes left only. <laughs> hey, you cannot pull that one on me. We started at 11.30, remember? Not 11 o'clock. No, just now I look at my watch and I got a shock. Huh? So go, my time is up already. No, no, no. We, we still have a little bit of time. And after that, we are going to have Lunch together. Home, sweet home. Whether your home is here or elsewhere, there's no place like home. So we, for this morning, I'd like to share on come home. Come home and also welcome home. For those who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that you will come home to the Lord. For those celebrating Christmas and the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, welcome home. Welcome home. But what is home? In the video presentation, we have Raymond. The wife went home to be with the Lord since 1991. But in Heritage Home, our senior adult center, and also in the church here, he's always part of the family and his home. I met Rita and Charlotte, our two African sisters. Yesterday, they were here in our Saturday service. And as they were just having dinner, mingling with the crowd, I said, hey, you are in the video. They said, yeah. I said, wow, I really appreciate the way that you all, uh, you all celebrate Christmas back home with the cantata and the choir. And I, I, I told them, oh, you, you really must have missed home. Huh? They said, yeah, but... And with the glimmer in their eyes and with a white smile, they say, but now Glad Tidings is our home. Wow, you know, with such life and belonging, they say, Glad Tidings is our home. And even for Chen Yen and Dr. Yiki, we have prayed even for a child. And the child comes along. And it is not just setting up their own family, but they felt the belonging, the prayer support, the encouragement of the family of God. So when we talk about home, there are actually three kinds of home. Now, in the Bible, the word home is mentioned and used 186 times. 186. That's very uh, 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 often. 
And uh, there are three kinds of home. First of all is the heaven. Excuse me. First of all is the heavenly home. Our heavenly home has to do with our salvation and our eternal destiny. Finally, we have a home in heaven. Heaven is a home, really. All right, it's not just a big place and all that, but it is a home. A real ultimate home is in heaven. Not here on earth, but in heaven. And then there is, of course, our earthly family. We are born into it. We are raised up in it. And there is a biological family and also the Christian family. If, you all, if, if, if the, if the uh, people come to know the Lord, becomes a Christian family. Praise God for the earthly family. And then there is also the church family. And here is where we are all brothers and sisters. You know, God has called us together, not just as individual, isolated Christians, but we are all in the family of God. Turn to, turn to your neighbor and say, you are my brother, you are my sister. Come on, come on. Hey, yeah. We are all in the family of God. And usually Christmas, there is a Christmas dinner or makan. Now we know that today is only Christmas Eve, but we are going to have a Christmas luncheon together. As a family of God, we are going to have a luncheon together. Uh, there's no turkey this time, but we have siu yolk, all right? Replacement, Malaysian style for, 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 for a turkey, you know? And you will enjoy it. All kinds of things, different station and all that, as has been mentioned there. This is the family of God celebrating together, all right? And we want you to sense that kind of belonging right here, not just on Christmas Day, but throughout the year and... Uh, 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 throughout our journey together. So three kinds of home, the heavenly home, the earthly family, and also the church family. But when we talk about home, you know, for, uh, what is home? For some people, home is a, is, is a place of security, of comfort, of rest, of love, of acceptance. But for others, it may be just the reverse. For some, home may be a place of brokenness, a place of pain, sorrow, rejection, disappointment, misunderstanding, and perhaps even abuse. And when we talk so much about home, some of you may feel that kind of a homelessness. A homelessness. There is a sense of aloneness, loneliness. That's why so many people commit suicide during the Christmas season. Because it's just too much to bear when they talk about home. It's not home, but homelessness. It's not a place of delight, but a place of disappointment. And they cannot wish one another Merry Christmas because they wonder how they are going to face Life alone. And so when we talk about home, there are different, different ideas about what home is. But today, let us look into the Bible of where it all started and where we can find hope and strength even to be home. And the passage I'd like to take from is John chapter 1, verse 14. This is a strange passage to talk about Christmas because from first reading, there's nothing Christmassy about it. 
There's no nativity scene. There's no birth of the Lord Jesus Christ and, 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 and the shepherds and the angels and, you know, and the wise men. Nothing at all. But I tell you, this is where it all begins. Without this passage, we will not know at all how it all started. This is the link to the gospel of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John chapter 1, verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Everybody say, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Say it again. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That, brothers and sisters, is what Christmas is all about. That, brothers and sisters, is one of the most powerful passages of scriptures that we can ever find. And the word became flesh and dwell among us. Wow. Blows our human mind. Power pack. Summarizes everything there is for God to tell us what Christmas is all about. But in order for us to understand, we have to go back to chapter 1, verse 1 of the Gospel of John. And it says here, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's how John started his gospel. And it is interesting that he used the word was. Was the word, was with God, was God. The word was is not past tense, but in the English language is called the durative imperfect tense. That means it is a continual thing. Past tense means just once, that's it. But it is a continuous is in the imperfect tense. In other words, to read it differently, we can read it as in the beginning was continually the Word and the Word was continually with God and the Word was continually God. It has always been. It's not just once in the past, but it continues to be. Now, what is this word that John is talking about? Who is he referring to? John starts in the beginning. John opens his gospel in eternity. He moves beyond human history. In the beginning, reminds us of Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God. So right in creation itself, Jesus Christ was already there. For the Jews, they know that the word refers to God. 
And in our context here, the Logos, the Word, is none other than Jesus Christ. So Christmas is not the celebration of the birth or the beginning of the life of Jesus Christ. Rather, it is the celebration of His arrival on earth. Jesus Christ pre-existed. We call this the pre-incarnate Christ. He was there in the beginning with God. And this boggles the mind. So in other words, the word, if you want a name, is Jesus Christ. And Jesus is God's ultimate for each and every one of us, no matter who you are. God's word for us is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! That's God's ultimate word for us. Amen. And so this word was in the beginning with God. But on that Christmas day, the Bible says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. You see, Christmas is a story about home. It all began with someone leaving one. Jesus left his home in heaven, that glorious place in heaven, to be born in a manger. In a manger. Through the Virgin Mary. When we think about home, some of us felt homeless perhaps, or, you know, home is not what it should be. But remember, Joseph and Mary. The angel of the Lord came to Joseph in his fear and uncertainty because he's not the earthly father of the child that was in Mary's womb. And so the angel assured him, take Mary home. Take Mary home to be your wife. Don't be afraid. So he obeyed. And so they were in Nazareth. And after that, the time of delivery came and she was pregnant, almost about nine months pregnant. And suddenly there was the census that was given to the Roman Empire. And, 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 and Joseph, being from Bethlehem, must go back to Bethlehem to register. And so they traveled that 70-mile journey. Now, if you are pregnant, ladies, if you are pregnant and about to give birth already, I can assure you, Air Asia, MAS, Thai, Singapore Airlines will not take you in. You are about to give birth already anytime. But there, they got no choice. Can you just imagine Mary about to give birth must walk 70 miles? Or maybe she sat on a donkey. And that's not comfortable either. She made a 70 miles journey to Bethlehem. And there, the baby Jesus was born. Then there was no home in a manger, no hotel. No, there was no room in the inn. And there, they were homeless. Joseph and Mary were homeless. And Jesus was born in a manger without a home. And they were there in Bethlehem for a while only. And after that, the angel says, flee to Egypt because Herod is going to kill the child. They became refugees. Asylum seekers in Egypt and they stayed there for maybe three or four years. We do not know. But after that, when Herod died, 
angel says, go back home. And they went back to Nazareth. And Jesus grew up in Nazareth, but not for long. When he started his ministry, he moved out of Nazareth and he made his base in Capernaum. But remember what he says, the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. The birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. He was homeless, practically. He left his home in glory. Born in a manger. Christmas is a story about home. And he left everything that is called home in order that you can be welcome home. How did it all happen? And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. First of all, God became human. Everybody say, God became human. God became human. Wow. Three words, but this is the most profound and, and, and almost impossible to understand. God became human. The Word became flesh. This is the Christmas message. Received by the shepherds, pursued by the wise men, feared by Herod, ignored by the world, but loved and embraced by Joseph and Mary. The Word became flesh. It's mind-boggling. How can it happen? How can God condescend so low? God is God up there. Man is man down here. How can God become man? How can God stoop so low? The Jews at that time cannot accept that. It's heresy. Yes, there were some Greek mythologies that talk about gods disguising themselves in the form of human being, but never taking the form of a baby. And even these gods are only superior beings to human beings. And therefore, they were put on the higher level, but morally, many of these gods are even worse than human beings. But when the Bible says the Word became flesh, it is earth-shattering, mind-boggling, only God can do that. Theologians call this the incarnation. The word incarnation means in the flesh. What does in the flesh means? That means human nature. God put on human nature. Incarnation. Theologians also call this or debate about this, you know. God became human. When God became human, is He God? 
or is he human? The answer is Jesus Christ is still fully God and fully human. How does that happen? Our mind cannot understand it. It's almost impossible to understand it. But when you look into the scripture, when you look at Jesus Christ, not once has he put aside his divinity, not once did he put aside his humanity. It flows in such a beautiful synchronization, expression. Jesus, fully God, fully man. And so he's not just a man. He's not just a good teacher. He's not just a good moral teacher. He's not just a prophet. He's more than a man. He is God manifested in the flesh. Can somebody say amen? That is our Lord Jesus Christ. Secular historians got it all wrong. They don't know what John is telling about here. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word became flesh. The Word became human. He chose to come to us and become one of us. So therefore, Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is not a philosophy. It is about a person. All religions ask us to come to God. But in Christianity, God came to man. Because it's impossible for us to come to God. We are sinners. God is holy. How can we come to God? So instead, God took the initiative and He came to us in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. God chose to become, can you imagine? God, the unstoppable God, the omnipotent, all-powerful, all-wise God, He chose to become a fetus in a mother's womb. Contain himself there. That's why Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 6 says, Christ Jesus existing in the form of God. He's God. Didn't consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. Emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being made human. Jesus, God became a man. In this world, there are many men who wanted to be God. You know some of them? Pharaoh, Genghis Khan, Joseph Stalin, Napoleon Bonaparte, Mao Zedong, and the friend that you know. We all wanted to be God. But only one God became man. The Word was made flesh. The Word became flesh. I tell you, the more I think about this, the more it boggles my mind and the more it makes me committed to Jesus Christ wholeheartedly. There is nobody like Him. 
there is only one Jesus Christ. The Word became flesh. That says it all, my brothers and my sisters. But why? Why must God become human being? Can't He just write His messages in the sky and people will follow? Can't He just send a representative? Why must He come in person? The shame, the humility. Why? If Jesus had never been born, we wouldn't know what God is like. He came to reveal the Father. You see, all of us have different images and ideas about God. In those days, when John was writing, the non-Jews were basically polytheistic. They had all kinds of gods. There's Zeus, there's Mercury, there's all kinds of gods. And these gods are, 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 I mean, they are not even moral. There are many gods. But were they really God? No. Left to ourselves, we conjure up all kinds of ideas about God. People like Shirley MacLaine, for example. She says she was God, or she is God. And she says, you are God. So we are all God. Can you just imagine we are all gods? Come to think about it, it's very, very disheartening. If you are God, are you very disappointing? <laughs> if I am God, oh, you will be disappointed also. We all have witnesses, isn't it? I mean, God is not supposed to be like that. If you and I, we are gods, hey, there's no hope for this world at all. Now, Star Wars is back. The Last Jedi. I'm about to ask you how many of you have seen. I know that Tun, Tun, Dr. Mahathir have seen it with a wife. <laughs> Star Wars, but behind Star Wars, the theology is God is a force. God is an energy. May the force be with you. Remember that line? Is God a force or an energy, that's it? Left to ourselves, we have all kinds of ideas about what God is like, who God is. For many of us, God is a judgmental God. Slight mistake we make, bang! He wallop us, punish us. On the other side of the pendulum, God is our Santa Claus. Whatever do you desire, whatever you pray for, this Christmas, He will grant it to you, provided you have been good. You have been a good boy, you have been a good girl. For some, God is like a doting old grandfather who grants every wishes of the grandchild and never care about anything else. That's why Jesus came to show us who God really is. Billy Graham says, if I want to know what God is like, I look at Jesus. Jesus himself claimed, John chapter 14, verse 9, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Colossians 1.15, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. God is invisible. That's why we have all kinds of ideas about God. 
But Christ has shown us He is the visible image of the invisible God. That's why Christ has to come and, and in the form of a human being. God became human to save humans. God became like us so that we could become more like Him. The Word became flesh. God became human. Secondly, God came near. God came near to us. Bible says, and the Word became flesh and what? Dwell among us. The word dwell there is very interesting. He dwell among us. Another version says, so the word became human and made his home among us. He left his home in glory and made his home among us. What does that mean for each one of us? The actual word, dwell, is skino in the Greek language. It talks about pitching a tent. Pitching a tent. In other words, he dwelt among us, he tented among us, or he tabernacle. The proper word used is tabernacle, reminding us of the tabernacle in the Old Testament. He tabernacle among us. You see, the Jews were expecting the Messiah to come in a grandiose way, in a big structure like the temple. But God did not show up in the temple. He showed up in the manger, took everybody by surprise. And the Bible says He pitched His tent among us. How many of you love camping? You like to pitch up tents. Now, you know that it takes a lot of skill to pitch up tents. I've tried before. Kind of fun to go camping. Nowadays, it's a lost art already. But living in a tent, simple lifestyle. You see, we expected God to show up in a church, in a grand building. But actually, He dwelt among the people in the tent. Yes, God became human and He could choose to live in a palace. He could choose to live in an ivory tower, cut off from the sufferings of the people. But that's not our God, that's not Jesus. Like the Greek mythology, the gods came, they bullied the people. But that's not our Lord Jesus Christ. He preached he stand among us. He became one of us. He's a real person. He has flesh. He has blood. He has hair. He has limb. He knows what it is like to go hungry, to go thirsty, to be tempted. He's like one of us. That's why He's able to help us. That's why He's able to deliver us. And now the version, in the Message Bible, it says, the Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Huh? Move into the neighborhood. Where are you staying? Guess what? 
Jesus has moved into your neighborhood. SS2, Chowkit, Bangsa, Subang, Klang, Satyaram, wherever it is, God has moved into our neighborhood. And some of our neighborhoods are nasty. And I'm not just talking about societal problems, but the neighborhood in our life, the neighborhood of loneliness. He has moved into that neighborhood. He did not shy away. The neighborhood of brokenness, broken homes, broken lives. He has moved into that neighborhood. He chose to move into that neighborhood of your shame, of your guilt. He moved into that neighborhood where nobody dared, nobody cared. He has moved into that neighborhood. So don't you ever say, God, I wish you understand me. God, I wish you know how I'm feeling. I can tell you he does. He does. He is moving right there in your pain and hurts. No God would ever do that. You know that song? God is watching you. But from where? From a distance away. That's not our God, okay? You, you may like the song, you may like the theme and, and the music, but that's not our God. God is not watching you from a distance away. God has moved into your neighborhood. God is watching you right where you are. He loves you. He cares for you. He's personal. That's our God. That's Jesus Christ. All the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's why Hebrews 4.15 says, for we, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. That's why He can help us and deliver us from all our pain, our sorrow, our sin. Somebody say, Amen. And lastly, He reveals His glory. John says, We have seen His glory. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John says, We have seen His glory. We beheld Him with our own eyes. God wants to be seen. God wants to be experienced. God wants to reveal His love, His power, and His glory in your life. The Word became flesh and we beheld His glory. What is this glory? This glory is His presence. This glory is the power of the Lord God Almighty. Yes, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, but he is not powerless. He is no longer a baby. But all power and glory belongs to him. Remember when, when the angel announced to the shepherd the birth of the Messiah. That at first, there was only one angel who announced it to the shepherd. And after the announcement, the Bible says the entire sky was filled with multitudes of, of angels. And what were they doing? They were singing, glory, glory, glory to God in the highest. 
I would love to see that choir. I'll tell you, the world's greatest choir and the shepherds saw, the shepherds heard the greatest choir. God summoned all His angels to sing that song of the glory of God. The shepherd believed, went to, the, to, to Bethlehem, saw the baby Jesus, beheld His glory, went back home and told everybody about it. What is this glory? Bible says in John chapter 2, verse 11, this beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth His glory and His disciples believed on Him. The miracles that He did testify of the glory of God. He can do the miracles of turning your life around. As He turned water into wine, He can turn your life. He can transform your life. He can transform the brokenness of your home into a healthy, happy, harmonious home. He's, nothing is impossible with God. Let Him manifest His glory in your life this Christmas, in your family, in your work, wherever, whatever you are doing. Let Him manifest His glory. He is a God of miracles. Miracle is not impossible when you believe in the God of miracles. Somebody say, Amen. Hallelujah. He wants to show His glory. He reveals who God is. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Everybody say grace and truth. Grace and truth, that's God. That's our God, full of grace and truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Bible says he was full of grace. Our God is a God of grace. Religious people don't have grace, don't have mercy. They become hard, they become cold. There were the religious people who brought a sinful woman to Jesus Christ and said, Master, we have caught this woman committing adultery. According to the law, she should be stoned to death. What say ye? Jesus looked at them and says, He who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And every one of them knew, I've got sin in my life. I don't qualify to cast the first stone. One by one, they left until Jesus was left with the woman. And Jesus looked up at the woman and says, Woman, where are those who have accused you? Have they, where are they? Have they all left? Did they not cast a stone? Woman says, No, Lord. And Jesus says, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. That is grace. That is grace. God come to not to condemn us, but to deliver us from our sin, to set us free from guilt, from shame, from meaninglessness, to give us His life. Somebody say, Amen. So home, it's a relationship with God where we receive grace and experience the forgiveness of sins and the blessings of God's love and life. 
You see, there is a longing in your heart for home. It all started in the Garden of Eden, perfect home. God placed them in that environment. But in spite of that, the sin against God, they were cast out from Eden. There was an angel with a sword to, to guard the garden. And ever since then, man has been longing for home. Inside you, there is a restlessness, a homelessness. And you will not rest, you will not find home until you find your home in God, in that relationship with Almighty God. An experiment was conducted on two moths, an insect, a male and a female. The female was put in a room, close-up room with a window, and the male moth was released four miles away. And guess what? After a few hours, the, the male moth was found at the window trying to get in. How did the moth, separated by four miles, one in a closed room, the other outside, how can that male moth find its way back to the female moth? God has placed something even in insects. You don't believe you have read about sal salmon. We don't have salmon here except in the restaurant, the date salmon. But you know the salmon, you know about the, 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 his, the, the, the lifespan of salmon. Salmon, you know, will, will, uh, uh, they, they, they may be released in the Pacific Ocean. But when, it comes, when, the, the, when the time comes for breeding season, they will make their way back to their original home. Even upstream. Impossible, but somehow they did it. They will swim upstream to where they originated from until they find home and their breeding ground. It's the same way with pigeons. They call this the homing pigeons, right? You know, pigeons are homing pigeons. You can release the pigeon anywhere, but somehow they will find their way back home where they started. Migratory birds are the same. Thousands of miles away from home. But somehow God has put uh, a GPS inside them. They can find their way back home. Friends, brothers and sisters, God has placed an inner GPS in our heart and we are always longing for home. Problem is we think that the earth is our home. No, home is where God is. Home is where God's grace and forgiveness and love is and He stands there ready to welcome you home today. How? You may say it's impossible. Bible tells us how, but as many as receive Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in His name. All you need to do is believe in the name of Jesus Christ. You don't have to do anything else. Believe and receive, and He will give you. He will give to you. You don't have to earn it. You cannot earn it. He will give it to you. This is the best Christmas gift. He will give to you the right to become the child of God, children of God, to be part of the family of God. Jesus said in John 14, 23, those who love me will keep my word and my Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Brothers and sisters, this is God's desire. He calls you home and He wants to make His home within you. To dwell within you with His love, joy, peace and forgiveness. Open your heart. Welcome Him home. 
come home to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what Christmas is all about. Welcome home. Come and welcome home. God became human. God came near. God reveals His glory. All of this for what? So that you and I can come home to Him and experience the home in the family of God, in the love of God, and ultimately in heaven. Come home. Welcome home. Let's pray.